Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by BetSperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive, Andy. We have talked to a lot of smart people over the balance of this preparation for football season, and the content we've covered, I feel like we have done an absolutely sterling job of really giving the NFL as much possible shine as we as 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 is possible. But we haven't talked a lick of college football, and lo and behold, I look on the calendar, we are a week away from week zero kickoff, which means I'm behind. <laughs> and uh, we reached out to some of our uh, smart friends across the industry. We're like, hey, uh, who should we uh, who should we reach out to for college? Anyone you really want to hear from? And got resounding uh, positive feedback about today's guest making his first ever appearance on the deep dive at the tailgate tent. Gary, welcome to the deep dive. Thanks for having me, guys. As uh, they say on the Feinbaum show, longtime listener, first time caller. So I'm glad to be here. And uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, Drew Drew alluded to that a little too. You've been around forever. And I mean, I'd have to, I never did just get to say thanks for, I had a Burrow, I had a burrow ticket at 100. Like, I didn't, I didn't get the absolute, burrow originator. Yeah. yeah, I didn't get, I didn't get the absolute bomb, but. I mean, that, that was one of those two where, and I've told this story a hundred times where it was at a book that had a cash out button. And I'm like, I'll just hit that before the Alabama game. And then they didn't offer it anymore. Like they, they just, the button wow. wasn't there that week. I'm like, fuck, I guess I'm riding this out. And it's fate. Yeah. I was just like, just yeah, jokes, jokes, jokes on, on you. you assholes. I was going to hit the I button. Keep, I keep thinking like at some point I, I might want to change my avatar, but I don't know if I'm ever going to find a better one. No. No, that was all time. And I mean, the, you know, the fact that he's translated it to immediate NFL success makes it that much sweeter, frankly. Uh, it's very, very cool. Uh, people don't know what we're talking about, of course. Uh, you had, what, 200 to 1 uh, on Burrow to Heisman when uh, people, you know, when he was not a household name, uh, led LSU to probably one of the most superlative college football seasons that I can remember. Uh, and just crazy to look at in hindsight because the program itself is now in shambles. And it was not that long ago that they were, you know, beating up the world. They could have scored 80 on, on Oklahoma uh, in the semifinals that day if they felt like it. Uh, it was quite a cool run, but um, you are, it, it's fair to call you basically like a, a full on college football originator, right? Yeah, I would say at this point, um, you know, I kind of span a lot of different, I would say, hats in the college football landscape. I definitely would call myself an originator. I would say, you know, I, I do have a little bit of a service business and then, you know, I'm not so underground or locked up as an originator that I don't try and share, you know, things that I find stats nuggets on Twitter for the, for the general population. And we'll kind of get into why I do that and why I think that, but um, yeah, I would say, you know, one of the hats I wear is at this point an originator. I love it. Well, the, uh, that's most of who we want to try to reach out to here. Uh, and, uh, you know, we have, we've had folks on like our buddy Suma who like lives and breathes NFL, like when the season's over other than the draft, you know, he's just in hibernation. Is that the way it goes for you in college football? Or do you have sort of a year round, uh, you know, gig where you rotate from college into other sports or even, you know, moving for other people in the industry or have, you know, relationships industry wide, or is this like a, a college football is your passion and that's, you know, you're zeroed in from uh, 365 days a year. Yeah. I don't originate any other sports at all. And I, and I mean, I think that's for a couple reasons. Um, it's just the market, at least college football. And, and I, I think probably most gambling markets at this point are just, so efficient with the flow of information that it's really hard to, at least in my opinion, feel like you can have an actual edge if you really aren't focusing all of your energy in, in one particular area. I mean, college football is now, what, 131 FBS teams, unless you're just a volume player playing a number like your PRs and, and just doing that and not really making adjustments, you know, throughout the week as things come out. Um, I, I think it's just challenging. I think it's hard to feel as though, you know, you have all the information and you're making good decisions if, you know, your focus is split between college football and 
getting ready for college basketball season or capping the NBA or whatever it is you do. Um, I try and rely on others. I think in this industry, if you do the right thing and can be helpful to other people, um, if you want to get down in other places, you generally can find <laughs> that information. But um, I mean, for me, by the time college football is over, I am, and, and even during the season, like I don't even want to watch the NFL by the time Sunday comes around. I have a enough work I have to do from Saturday, but also I'm so burnt out of watching football that I need a day. And when season's over, I try and shut it down for a little bit. That makes total sense. And uh, in real, I mean, Andy, I know you're this. Yeah, I mean, and like, and I, talking I, about Suma too, it, it's wild. Both, like, uh, it's there's so much stuff going on. Yeah. And like, that's why I don't bet college because I don't have the bandwidth. And so my family would kill me too. Like, that's just part of the deal. Like, I, I don't even watch that much college. I watch, I've, I told this to producer Dan the other day. I said, during the season, I watch more college football during the week than I do on a Saturday. Cause I basically just take Saturdays off of like being a, a person who watches and bets on sports constantly. So that's like my family day to give back to the fans. You guys have me today, but the Suma thing too, has always blown my mind. How somebody, he's just solely focused on NFL. Okay. Lives in Europe. Doesn't even bet soccer and tennis. Like that stuff's way more popular. He's like a huge yeah. SL4 fan. It, it's, it's wild. Like I try to, I, I've found, and I've found too that, golf and NFL are like a nice balance because you know, you don't have to give a shit about golf in the fall when they're the bad tournaments after the playoffs are done. And you don't really have to care about some of the stuff early on in the season, but like once football's over, it's like, Oh, now we're down in Phoenix. And then you can go through the, the end of the playoffs and all of a sudden it's football. That's a nice balance. But even like college basketball, man, it's once college basketball starts and I'm working on football, it is a, it's like there's not enough hours in the day. Like, I, I feel like I feel like I should be better at both. Maybe I should just stop betting. Stop betting. That wouldn't be any. Fun. It's hard. I, I was talking to someone today who bets way more sports than I do, and I was like, I don't know how you do this. You know, it's just I have one sport. Granted, there's 130 teams. College basketball is like triple that. I don't understand how people can bounce. You know, as quickly from one to the other and what Suma does, you know, in, in NFL, I think is even that much more impressive because there's way less teams, but, you know, you still to find an edge and arguably the most mature market outside of, you know, global equity and fixed income markets is even all the more impressive. So, you know, it's still a pretty crazy industry and you can continue to learn from different people every day, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, it goes back to sort of the saying, Jack of all trades, master of none. Like you yeah. just have to specialize. If you if you're gonna level up, if you're going to, you know, if you're gonna be a limit player, if you're gonna originate at, you know, the highest level, uh, you can't be divided attention. And um, I mean, there is, but there are definitely some trade-offs, right? Like, um, I don't know, we, I didn't didn't prep you for this question, but I've talked to other people who originate college football and um, you know, I've think it lends itself to having an especially strong prior right like if you can come into the season with a prior that's better than market average you're going to you know uh, you know you're going to nuke the first handful of weeks and then you know the market eventually catches up to you and yeah okay well now it's time to you know pivot to college basketball like i know players like that and that makes sense just because you know, it's you're making a lot of the the hay early in the season. Uh, you're not really afforded that opportunity in the NFL because the you know the the adjustments happen real quick. Um, but uh, you know, I think it, it, you know is that sort of your general approach in terms of um, trying to you know hit the softest stuff early in the season, uh, or are you the kind of person that can pivot to different angles and continue through bowl season? Uh, at about the same clip as you know same clip in terms of just expected ROI it's a good question I, I think in my mind they're almost completely different seasons when you think about it so I'll, I'll get more into how I think about I guess the game of football and, and handicapping it but what I use early in the season is 100% priors and then I look at what the game would have been in, let's just call it week 13 of the prior season. And then my thought process is what's changed? You know, are there new coaches? What is the new personnel like? And if I would have thought this team would have scored 27 against, you know, their opponent, is that going to go up or down? Right. And why? Um, so I think ultimately early season, what I would attribute 
the most success is obviously having a good handle on where the team was when the seat prior season ended and making whatever adjustments, but it ultimately comes down. I think it sounds so easy, but to hard work and digging for information and just knowing that, okay, you know, Nevada's lost. They have four returning starters. They just lost two in the last 24 hours. You know, how are you going to adjust the number in their week one matchup against New Mexico state? It's things like that, that maybe people that are focusing on other sports are not solely focusing on, you know, college football in particular, they might miss something like that or just may not be as attuned to, you know, what happened in the first four weeks of football and then what happens once you hit conference play and then what happens towards the end of the season. I have a system where as you get more data and more numbers, ultimately my number gets closer to what I think is a better number. So early on, it's kind of a little bit more of an art and a science, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. And and it's true. And, you know, as we've progressed to – God, I'd sound like an old nerd from like 20 (laughs) – you know, like the year to the information superhighway. You look look like an old nerd, too. Yeah, I do look like an old nerd. But, you know, as as we've progressed to – I mean, information moves so much faster now. And it's like it's probably an advantage to people who have the time, the bandwidth, and the knowledge and the connections to make make those – you know keep up with it fast enough and adjust fast enough. But at the same time, like, and I really think maybe it's, it's a little heavier in college basketball with the, the transfer stuff has been awful, but like it didn't used to be this way either with, with transfers, coaching changes and, you know, guys coming in out of the program, like they, even, you know, you said there is like 350 goddamn college basketball teams. It's impossible to do that sort of stuff unless you're a full-timer or had a staff, but even with college football, there's so much going on and changes over the course of the summer that you got to keep up with. And then, I mean, like some of the guys that we, you know, again, you, you talk about uh, maybe betting into other people's stuff because it's not your, your uh, specialty. We do that with college football because it's not our specialty, but some of those guys, I mean, they're, they're talking about like, Hey, this player, this player, and this player's out. I'm like, I don't even like, I, I can't even do remember what conference. Well, it's so, a lot. So, I mean, so, I think that's the, yeah, it's, and that's, the, that's the, the stuff now. they're betting on. Yeah, that that is the yeah. edge. That's the edges they're finding, and it's it's all informational. It feels like at this point. Well, when I have like these other, you know, well, here's another problem: is I think there's just way less originators in the market because of how much information is flowing. You do have to rely on other people and other parts, so you do have just a. It seems like a, a large part of the market that's really betting on almost like you know five to ten people's numbers, which is. Part of the problem, I'm not saying it makes the market more efficient, but it makes it feel like the market's more efficient. But I have a lot of these originators that are people I talk to a lot. I'm like, oh, this portal, it's really bothering me. I'm on the other hand, I'm like, I love this. This is great for me because it gives me now an edge that generally no one else is going to have. If you can assess the portal, figure out how XYZ players going to fit onto a team and impact that team. Um, so the more of that stuff for me, I know it's a headache to what I would say is, you know, the people that still, you know, allocate to college football, but maybe it's not their sole focus. To me, it's the complete opposite. Like the more chaos generally for someone that focuses on it, I think it should be better. Yeah. Okay. So this is a great way to put a bow on a point that I wanted to try to make or ask at least. And that is like, uh, there's two general approaches you can take to coming up with a number for a game. You can do a top down, which is basically, this is a team level. I say there's a lot of top down, bottom up means different things depending on who you're talking to but when it comes to originating if you're doing a top-down origination you're basically just using team level stats to try to come up with a fair price if you're going bottom up you're basically using player level information to build what you think is a fair price and it seems like you almost have to do that for college football because the pieces change so much you only have 11 games 12 games whatever the number of games is of a regular season it's a super small sample size uh so is basically you're more or less forced to go bottom up in terms of coming up with what you think a fair for a given team is i and this might be maybe one of the hotter takes i have and maybe you guys have seen me say this i am so against general prs which i think is what a lot of us would think of as like the top-down approach to handicapping really any sport, but in particular, football, college football. Um, I don't think the puzzle of football has really been solved. And I don't know if it ever will. Like, you know, Bob stopped betting basketball because he thought that the NBA, essentially, the edge disappeared. Baseball, that happened 
to players 15, 20 years ago, you know, in some regard. I think in football, you have 22 independent players doing different things, and then you only have 12 games. So your sample size is inherently smaller, and the data, while it's getting better, isn't there like we have in basketball and, let's say, baseball. So I think the way I think about coming up with a number is what is an offense versus defense going to look like on both sides of the ball, right? So to give you an idea of how the PRs would maybe match up. So, you know, if you think about two teams last year that maybe were similar in PRs, like, I don't know, Michigan State and Baylor. At one point, we're probably pretty similar in PRs, maybe not at the end of the year, but they were, I would imagine, you know, halfway through the year when Michigan State was undefeated and Baylor was like, okay, this isn't the same team that was whatever, three and nine in 2020. Those teams, if they played Ohio State by PR, numbers would have the same spread but the way those teams match up and their stats match up to how they would defend Ohio State's offense and then also try and score on Ohio State's defense are completely completely different so I I start with and this started probably 15 20 years ago when I first started building a system of what happens when these two teams play each other and what is the projected outcome if you run this game a thousand different times Right. And then from there, that kind of is my top down, gives me an area to focus, at least, you know, on the onset when the lines come out. Then for me, it becomes bottoms up. Right. So if that game, you know, let's say it's going to be 31 21 based on the thousand trials, keep in mind the standard deviation of football is extremely high. So what can come in and then cause these things maybe not to happen? Right. So is there personnel issues? Is there weather issues? Are there's a reason why my numbers are maybe higher or lower? If it's projecting 2.3 passing touchdowns, do I adjust that to three? Do I keep that two? Do I leave it at two and a half and kind of meet in the middle? So I think you have to have a bottoms up approach, or at least I don't know if I would trust someone that just said, well, I make, you know, Ohio State 93 and Baylor and Michigan State each 80. So you know, it's a 13 point spread against both those teams. I just can't believe that that to be the case. So I think you yeah, have to have a bottom. We up do a little of that. And I think we talked about that a couple of weeks ago in one of the previews of NFL. We both do a little of that as well, too, because and it's you have an even bigger sample of teams and a way wider variety of styles of play in college football than the NFL, I'd say. And it's and you know to your, like a, a real simplified example is you know there's there's two different there's a bunch of different ways to get a team to the same power ranking, and you know again if you know your example is weather is probably even better than the one that I was going to bring up like hey this team is power ranked this and the other team's power ranked that and it comes up with a minus three, but uh, the favorites in air raid with an over the top offense and there's fifty mile an hour winds and it's raining sideways like that number isn't you know the number isn't the same. And then, you know, right. the same thing goes with, you know, two teams that are power ranked the same and one has a really, you know, really strong run game against last year's chargers. Like, you know, are you, are you avoiding that team where actually they have this decent advantage, one positional group against another? There are, there's all subjective things that we'll throw in usually at, just at the group level like that. But I mean, even to your point about, and Drew's point about player level stuff, you know, the, this power ranking maybe isn't going to be adjusted yet if there's some suspensions or injuries or something, but, you know, here or there, a linebacker's missing that matters, a coverage linebacker's missing against a team that's able to take advantage of that. You know, you, you do have to go, if you just black box it off numbers here, yeah, nobody's going to have a good time. So can I ask a couple questions about sort of the originating landscape and the information side of things? So let's say that yep. there's like a five-star guy. He goes into the transfer portal because it just didn't work out at his first spot. He lands in a new system. You may you create an opinion like, okay, wow, like this guy was five star. He played like two star, like, but his fit here is so much better. Like, this is going to be electric, right? Um, is do you like? Is it? <laughs> do you feel like you have to kind of find unique ways to get a bet down on that type of edge because? anyone else that's sort of doing things that way or paying attention to that level of detail on a given player and how they would fit like like are you racing to the, to the same tiny edge and trying to get it in before you know it evaporates or is is that uh, 
you know, kind of uh, uh, so such a small example. And it's more of a composite of the parts when it's all said and done that you really need uh, to be able to have some edge between teams. I would love to, you know, sit here and brag and say that I'm at the point where, you know, individual players I've quantified to the point where I know that whatever, if this player is going to be in or this player is going to be out and that's, this is how it's going to affect the outcome. But I'm not necessarily at that point. I do have, I I am at the point where I am rating individual players and how much better they are than who's stepping in. Um, But from an origination standpoint, I think for me, it ultimately goes to, you know, if I project in a certain game that, you know, Oregon's going to have, 0.52 rushing touchdowns against Georgia and you know for whatever reason you hear that Georgia's front seven is struggling early or late in fall camp and then they get an injury and game prep maybe I would adjust that what how that would affect me is I would probably adjust that number up from maybe 0.5 all the way up to okay I can assume that they're probably going to score one rushing touchdown against Georgia right so for me, it comes in more in the qualitative side of things, things like that. I'm not necessarily betting that edge, you know, into the market based on a player. And I, and I still don't necessarily believe I think certain players can affect the market in college football, but I think it's still pretty, you know, far and few between. Interesting. Uh, how about um, yeah, when- it, it, multiple? <laughs> like it, it has to be someone really important or like yeah. a. Even, even maybe not even a cluster injury at a positional group, but you know, two or three guys spread across all layers of the defense. Stuff like that will yeah. start to yeah. matter. But oh, we've heard I mean, about a couple of those. It's so hard to it's so hard to say like this person is worth points to the line if it's not, uh, uh, you know, a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've created and everybody a, knows like, about almost those. like no one, no one's that's not going under the radar when a top ten quarterback is like halfway injured. Yeah, I think the big the bigger edge for me is I've created what I would call like a war for college football players. So if okay. a random offensive lineman is out, how much better than an average offensive lineman is that person? Sure. And how, where is the person that's coming in rank? So I have those types of things that I think just help me quantify that ultimately then drive me into the qualitative. Here's where my numbers are. How do I want to adjust it? No, that makes total sense. Um, do you notice some players or some groups or even maybe the biggest group out there that's been in college football, uh, largely acting on information? Uh, like when you see a move like that or you catch wind of a release, um, is your first instinct like, I'm going to go figure out what's going on here because it's most certainly information-based? Um, I mean, for the most part, like I said, the origination crew at this point for almost all sports has gotten so small that – I don't even need to really know what's happened to look at this screen and probably have a pretty good idea of who it was that moved on whatever the number was. And then it becomes, you know, Ohio State moved today slightly. I'm guessing someone updated their numbers on what Notre Dame's offense is going to look like with all these injuries that they have and are sitting there saying, okay, we're still at 15 and a half. We're probably not going to get the four or whatever we were, 14 and a half. We're probably not going to get the... 14 flat that we wanted. Let's go ahead and take this before it ends up at 17. I'm guessing that's what someone moved on. Um, So I don't think at least from this is once again, an assumption, I wouldn't move on injury information. That stuff for the most part, unless you have inside information, which sometimes you're privy to that stuff you know, is already normally priced in, you know, or the game gets pulled before anyone gets a chance to really move it. If people are paying attention. That's where we are at in the loop. And granted, we're probably ahead of some people just because we, we know people who are, are, you know, privy to some information, but every once in a while, it's like, there's a big college move. And then you see the, you know, you see the news like two, three hours later. It's like, man, who who's getting this so quick? Like, who, how, yeah. how do they, you know, who, they, they just, you know, they have to know somebody at the school or close, or I don't know if trainers are getting paid at this point to give groups information. I wouldn't, I would, yeah, maybe that, it's beat writers. Yeah, that, yeah, that too. That's probably, I mean, some of these small schools, too, it's, you know, you, yeah. people are like 
uh, I'm not saying people have, you know, DM people on Instagram and like, hey, you write for the school paper or we think you might date this quarterback and stuff like that. But like and some of the small school stuff is super hard to get. And you've seen some unique ways to try to get that info. And again, it's wild. It's like, man, is that guy really that important? Because it's, Our, yeah, it's, it's hard to find. Andy, we, we need to task you with creating like a uh, Baywatch male lifeguard Instagram so you can DM all the guys' girlfriends and try and get intel. Yeah, there you go. You'd be the I second one. You'd be the second one to. Picture. You'd be the second one to do it. <laughs> uh, let me ask you about the power, the non-power five, then the small schools. Like, do you mostly stick to, uh, you know, sort of the teams that you would consider major market, or do you like, uh, uh, you know, are there bigger edges to find as you kind of, uh, you know, dive into the non-power five? I, I think it's kind of like almost in a way a circular reference in the sense of. I think the edges are probably bigger. In fact, they are bigger, but finding the information to feel confident in your number is also a lot more challenging for a lot of those schools. Like, you know, Louisiana Monroe gets like one or two articles written about them a week in season. So, you know, unless you're really, really in tune with someone local, it becomes challenging to really a either feel confident in your number that the stats are spitting out. And if you do feel confident, feeling confident in, do you adjust it? Do you not adjust it? What's going on there? I have no idea. You know, a lot of times with the G5 schools, you know, you'll do all the research you can, pretty much read every single article, every single tweet, feel confident in a number, and then they start a different quarterback that week. And it's like, how, how did this not, you know, how did you not find this out? And you're doing all the research you can, and sometimes that's just the nature of the beast. So while I think there's probably a little bit of a bigger edge there, it also is a lot more challenging to really, I think, do the proper due diligence to make sure that, you know, what you're betting on is is consistent with what's going to happen on the field, whether it's good or bad. You just want to make sure that what you see is going to be representative. Um, it's hard. Yeah. It, it, again, it harkens back to like me with college basketball. There's a ton, a big, and somebody actually pushed back on this, which is, scary because he's a better better than i am <laughs> but you know, at the at the low levels and i'm talking you know schools that are not even you know like some of these aren't even d2 college football schools but they have a college basketball program and you know the swack and the meac and stuff like that most of those guys on the roster don't matter but there are teams where it's like hey this guy has the they legitimately have the best player in the conference and he might be out tonight and you can look until you're blue in the face sometimes and not find anything. Just, there's just nothing on it. And eventually you just did like, I think about like, how much was I going to bet on this game? Should I, should I still be spending time at this at this point? Should I just give up and bet some other games? Because I know some of those schools are so small. And like, I mean, those are, those are the kind of basketball schools where the games don't start on time because they play the girls game first. The, the women's team, yeah. The women's team will play first in the men's game. If the women's game goes long, the men's game doesn't start on time. Yeah. See, for me, I generally, I, I do well at both, but I generally actually do better in P five versus P five and in conference because you tend to have either all the information or the same amount of information, whether it's you know Oregon versus Georgia or you know, Toledo versus Western Michigan for both of those. Um, but the the power five, when there is all the information, your numbers are representative and you can adjust them appropriately. I actually tend to do a little bit better uh, in, in those spots. But I still to this day, people say, you know, what do you think the biggest edge is in college football? And I think strength of schedule and figuring out how to quantify that is is still the answer. Wow, interesting. Um... Yeah, it, but this all makes sense. And in, in college basketball, you can you can go top down. <laughs> in fact, you have to <laughs> for if you're out in the swack. <laughs> but if you're right. trying to bet swack numbers or make swack numbers, you you, you can you have to go top down. <laughs> but the uh, um, you know the idea of and I was curious your thoughts. This is great, a, a very interesting answer because it makes sense. Like if you have stronger numbers, if the variability around those is is tighter. Then your range of outcomes is still going to be you're going to have a you know broader edge on a given side or total than you would if your you know range of outcomes is enormous because it's two programs that you're like i don't know a bunch of one-star guys maybe one guy plays like a two-star guy i you know like Ooh, this is tough to uh tough to come up with a fair for that but so that that makes sense but uh 
Um, so kind of pivoting to the, uh, um, the power five, then, um, we have, we have kind of entered a weird world here with the name image likeness where, you know, what was already a very concentrated set of schools that realistically had a chance at, you know, national titles has become even more concentrated. Do you think, is that a fair statement? The way you look at sort of the state of college football or like it always has been that way. It always will be that way. And anyone that makes a big deal out of that is just, you know, has their head in the sand. Yeah. I mean, I go back and forth on this, right? Like, you know, I'm, I don't want to say a purist on the playoffs, but last year I'm originally from Cincinnati and I, the entire season was like, they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. There's five teams that I think have a better chance of, you know, progressing in the playoffs than they do. Um, and I think that's still generally the case that it's been probably the last 20 years. I think maybe that LSU team that won the national championship was the lowest AP rated team to win a national championship. Don't quote me on this, but I think it's like over the last 15 years entering the season. And generally there's, they say eight teams, you know, that can win uh, the national championship in a given year. I think that number is probably smaller than that, but every once in a while you will get, you know, one of those LSU type of situations where everything clicks and the recruits that at one point were five stars that didn't play like it for three years start playing like it. Um, you know, so in the NIL year, or sorry, in the NIL era, I, I do agree with you that it's probably still, and it maybe has narrowed a tiny bit. Um, I think we're still in the infancy stages of it as these teams kind of get their collectives together. I think there probably will in the next five years still be like eight teams that are spending significantly more than anyone. And, you know, if we want to expand to a 16 team, 16 team playoff, we're still going to get the same outcome in my opinion. But, you know, if it sells more TV dollars, I'm sure that's what we're going to do. Um, but yeah, I think I'm with you that it's for now, probably a little bit narrower, but I think it'll probably go back once this collective thing gets all figured out at the big schools back to like six to eight teams that can realistically win. That's, I landed on narrow. I looked at it, and again, I didn't spend a lot of time. I didn't even order a Phil Steele. I just looked at it from like who's who's back and what do I know about these teams? I'm like, Christ, there's only two teams, maybe. We might we might be in yeah. the era of there's two teams right now, and they probably just end up playing each other. And we you know, you talk about a, a bigger playoff shit. We might we might not need the semifinals again. There hasn't been that. We many. normally that's, don't. We normally don't. Yeah, there hasn't. There haven't been that many good semifinals. Well, there's not yeah. a lot of upsets. I mean, I no. think you know it's only it on the fourth place team. New Year's Eve. Georgia, Oklahoma <laughs> yeah. was a fun game, and I'm trying yeah, to think of another one. Who did Clemson beat? Clemson beat Ohio State in that semifinal that was decent. No. Yeah, I don't even. I mean, it like it's generally we know. And I think you guys probably have an idea. I think this year there's probably three, maybe four teams, if everything clicks right for Clemson, that can win it, you know. And if not, then, it, you know, if Bryce Young and Stroud stay healthy and it's probably going to be one of Ohio State or Alabama. I mean, that's how it is every year. I just think, you know, between the media and wishful mm-hmm. thinking, we want to think that other teams actually have a chance when we kind of, innately know the answer we just don't want to admit it so when it comes oh, yeah to even them, like last yeah. year when people were like oh cincinnati, cincinnati all they have to do is get in and then anything can happen like i don't Not know that's i don't know if the yeah, i don't know if that's a thing I mean, covid you, was around so presumably yeah, like, like, all of yeah, that that was the thing you needed around. to happen but yeah looking at <laughs> looking at the other teams that were in it's like i i think they might get boat race like they beat notre dame like that's not the same yeah, yeah no doubt yeah um so when it comes to then handicapping something like the Heisman market, where that has turned into an award that goes to the most impactful player on a team that is definitely in the mix to win a championship. I think Lamar Jackson is like the only guy that comes to mind that put up such eye popping numbers that he won on the basis of individual performance, not Louisville being in the mix for a title. Um, you know, considering that that is now sort of the bar you have to, to, um, you know, to clear, is it basically as simple as like, let's go through the different prices and paths for guys on Bama, Ohio state and Georgia. 
I mean, it's you're you're not too far off. I mean, if you think about the the numbers, it's a media award. There's just shy of 900 voters at this point, um, and they generally vote for. Well, not generally. I'll give you the exact numbers. 80% of the time in the last 20 years, it's been a quarterback. Um, that's 90% quarterback the last 10 years. I think Devonta Smith was the only one in the last decade that wasn't a quarterback. Um, 80% of them the last 20 years are Big 12 or further east. You know, they're not Pac-12 players. The Pac-12 players we've had were Mariota and then uh, the USC guys back in the day. Um, and then 100% have won nine games. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Away. And 100% have won nine games. And, and you have to win 85% of the winners the last 20 years have won 10 games. So really, if you look at win totals and say, okay, who realistically can win 10 games? Who's a quarterback and who's not on the West Coast? And if you're on the West Coast, you probably got to be on USC. You narrow the list pretty well. And then you kind of need to start thinking about I would say a little bit of it is, all right, let's look at the schedule. How can we see the media getting behind, you know, this type of team, um, this type of player? And then, you know, you kind of have a market of probably 10 guys at that point. I'm trying to look. I don't even have that many. You're not I'm, even at the 10? But, <laughs> but no, 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 I was going to say, I don't, I usually have like two or three more than I, I have right now, but I have do a Do you couple. feel, yeah, I guess, I do feel, you feel like, like uh, when he was going yeah. through those things, I'm like, well, I can see most of that stuff happening. I, I what's, suppose. what's, uh, what's, uh, you don't need to tell us what you for sure you think there's a value on, but you know, what, what is sort of the general dead money in the pool? Like, uh, we've talked about anything uh, non NC State, I suppose. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, like, like the yeah, where where does the dead money in the pool come from? It's mostly like teams where people are like, well, they could get into the conversation. Yeah, like, I think it's like teams that like it's a really really exciting player, but they're on a team that has like a six and a half win total. So like Matt Corral last year was, mm-hmm. in my opinion, dead money because even if Ole Miss wins nine games, they're going to lose to Alabama, and they're probably going to lose two more games and the quarterback on Alabama is probably going to have just as good of stats, right? Or this year, I don't want to say it can't happen because I do think the media is trying to change the tune, but there's just too many voters to just vote for the quarterback on the best team. But Will Anderson, you know, I think is generally dead money. I mean, teams know about Will Anderson. They're probably going to double team him. I would imagine there's going to be defensive players on his team that might have better stats than him just because he's going to command such respect from, offensive coaches and offensive lines. So, you know, I think things like that, um, you know, teams that like KJ Jefferson, super exciting player, Arkansas, seven and a half wins. Could they get to 11 wins? I mean, maybe, but probably not. Um, I kind of think the quarterbacks that are exciting on exciting teams are probably where I see the most dead money. And I, you know, don't want to tell people not to bet certain things, but sometimes I'm like, that has a very, very little chance of winning. Um, so that's kind of, I would say well, it, it's, yeah, all of them just, you start treating it like a parlay. It's like a same game par, same season parlay. All the things that you said, all those are like the minimum criteria for a player. And then, like all those things have to happen. You start looking at like the, you know, just start putting, even if you want to get aggressive with it to really try to build yourself up into making a bet that you might, might not want to make eventually It's like start putting percentages to those and, you know, start looking in there, you know, there's going to be a lot of correlation to it. Don't just add it up like parlay math, but come up with an actual, like, what is the percentage chance that we have like an 11 win, you know, hogs team 
And, you know, maybe some other things have to happen on teams that they, there's no control over as well. Like you can't have massive years from some of the quarterbacks at some of the marquee programs. They're going to win their conferences because otherwise he's just a guy that's on stage and congrats on your bet, but it didn't quite get there. They don't, uh, they don't have each way bets on Heisman. They do have to, yeah. they do have bets eventually. Like I've seen that, we'll, like to we'll get, make, a, get uh, on the we'll stage. Get invited. Yeah. yeah, we'll get invited, get invited you, or something. think uh, Bryce Young not available money. right now though. Bryce Young dead money. I don't. I mean, I, I didn't. I mean, this is a unique year. We have two guys that are basically under three to one, which I agree with that they probably should be. And if I had to pick one, I'd want to bet on Stroud because I do think Young also last year didn't have typical Heisman like numbers. If you think back to some of the games, I mean, yeah. if he didn't convert a couple fourth downs on that last Auburn drive, he was not winning the Heisman. Um, and his numbers. Yeah kind of back that up if there was ever a year to go with a defensive guy it probably was last year because there wasn't it, it almost was a defaulted award last year because there was so many people in the race with kenneth walker for a while and there we had jordan davis was being talked about in like week 10 is winning the heisman i mean that's not normal um i don't know if young is dead money but i think if there's someone as good as him and they you know hendon hooker once again, I think he's probably dead money. I really like him. But if he takes Tennessee to, you know, 11 and one and they upset Alabama or LSU or something like, I don't know if it's even being upset against LSU, but like if they win a game like that, you know, and he has as good, if not better numbers, I could see voters getting behind someone like that. Um, so yeah, I would, if, if you wanted to take one Stroud or young, I would, I would lean towards Stroud. Oh, that makes all the sense in the world. Um, what, Staying on uh, Young and Bama for just a second, w like what constitutes success for Saban at this point besides a national championship? And do you think that in any way influences like how he looks at the balance of the season? Like now that he knows, like you know, I, we can we can lose some you know regulars, you know, we can lose you know we we have the margin of error where if we get ourselves to the SEC championship and win that game then we're going to the playoff. Like, does that change at all? Sort of his kind of outlook on how you, how he treats the season. You think? I mean, I, this is just assumption at this point. And sure. I think he's an absolute lunatic where he treats every <laughs> game. Like he's not thinking like, Oh, we're going to take it easy and possibly lose to Georgia here, you know, or let's flip it around like Georgia last year. They were undefeated into the sec championship game. They knew that they could lose to Alabama and still be in the playoffs and, and miss Alabama in the playoffs, likely. Um, do I think Kirby Smart lost the game on purpose to motivate his team? No. I mean, that kind of seems – that seems a little too ridiculous to me. And I think Saban at this point, to answer your question, what constitutes success for me, it has to be national championship or bust. I don't think they care about SEC championships, you know. Um at this point, he's just trying to add national championships to his legacy. Hmm. Uh, going to the Stroud question that I had for you. So it's so tough too. Like as far as oh. you know, some well, so many of these award markets are like expectation based. It's crazy, like that we still have Alabama players. There's usually multiple ones to start the season right away in the top, you know, five ten every year. But it's like, man, the expectations is all of it. Win every game win the title game and you know, it's 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 crazy just how far and now the the nil thing isn't gonna hurt them either they've got boosters maybe for sure it's gonna be that sure. that's that and kind of back to that point my, that's been popping around my mind i'm curious to see like because we joked around about that with you know jerry jones and arkansas or like is there gonna be some team you know it's not gonna be like some mac team but is there gonna be some team that just has like two or three uber rich people like really like create like billionaire rich that are going to take this team from like a middle of the pack power five team up into like this is a team that competes just by just by giving them a shitload of money for this because that i think that's fun i think that's yeah hilarious. i mean think about it this way think about it this way a billion dollars doesn't get you a professional sports organization unless you're a part of an ownership group right so what's the next easiest like way to really control a team is it's it's all nil and putting together a collective that you're in charge of you control the coach 
you control all the players that you get. And if you want to spend the money on it, no one's going to tell you no. And I mean, look at, look at what's happening with Miami right now. I mean, I don't want to say they're a middle of the pack team, but they're like a borderline top 25 team that now has a billionaire that's backing them and it is Miami. So, you know, they could very easily find themselves back in that top 10 mix. Um, just cause I think they have a crazy, Easy billionaire donor. Same thing with, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the, the SMU collective is coming back. That was, you know, there in like the 80s or whenever that was. So you could very yeah, easily but- see one of these teams, you know, like that all of a sudden is like a top 10 team that it's like, really? Is SMU a top 10 football team? Well, you know, I don't know. It's it's worked before for them. They've of course. They, you know, if if anybody's old hat at this, SMU's got it figured out. I I, I I don't have any strong ties to SMU in terms of emotionally wanting them in the mix, but I definitely do for Miami. Like, get me a Miami four seed. You know, forget, get Clemson out of here. Like, I've I've, I've had enough Dabo Sweeney for uh, a lifetime. I've had enough Clemson for a lifetime. Uh, but get Miami to the top of the ACC. Get them the four seed, and let's get an Ohio State Miami semifinal like that would be for old time's sake that would just be sick i would love it when was that was um, that oh two or something like that oh two or oh three yeah that was yeah, that was that was, that was awesome was, i was way more into college football then but that was yeah uh, that, that was, was awesome one, one of the one of the better games of all time um speaking of ohio state and cj stroud our pro our presumptive favorite to win the heisman is there a path to victory where uh his one of his wide receivers presumably jsn snipes that award from him a la Devonte smith uh, and uh, Mac Jones. I mean, what, what was crazy to me in that season was Mac Jones had better numbers than Joe Burrow had the year before. Yeah. And for whatever reason, Devonta Smith returned a punt. I think it was against Arkansas, like a 90 yard punt or something like that. And then had a couple really good games to finish the season. And, and that was that with the award. I thought personally that Mac Jones was more deserving of that award than Devonta on Ohio State, what I think could actually happen is I think you could see the passing game um, steal votes from each other. I think where you could and think about how Ohio State's going to attack this year. I think Trayvon Henderson, if I were going to take a flyer on Ohio State, would be where I would look. I mean, you're going to have Stroud back, JSN, and arguably they're saying, which is crazy to me because they just had two guys drafted in, what, the top 12 that this receiving group is better than last year's Incredible. teams are going to drop coverage and you're going to have what he put up numbers like the previous Heisman running backs did um, last year. And just people tended to ignore it. Um, I think Henderson, if there's someone in that offense, it's going to benefit from all this more than anyone. It could be him. Um, once again, if, if you're going a non QB route, that's probably where I would look. Ooh. That's uh, interesting. You have, did you have Mac Heisman? I did. Yeah, I had Mac. I was, Heisman. Yeah, I'm still I, upset. I'm still upset about that. Yeah, like, I thought Mac, that was Mac Jones two two times like the wide receiver Chase now with the rookie of the year. Yeah, Chase got him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, like, yeah. We, we yeah I had double, a preseason, so I was a little. I was a little. Uh, yeah. I'm a little biased, and that I ended up getting Devonta Smith in season at whatever, like twelve to one or whatever it was um, at that point. But um, yeah. Yeah, we can have I mean, a little Mac, bonfire yeah, in my yard with Mac Jones tickets that didn't get. Yeah, cash. Mac that wasn't was a, like you know he wasn't super lauded before the season. There were like twenty five. No. that was the weird yeah, year. Exactly. That was short. That was the shortened season too, right? Yeah, the COVID year and the Alabama quarterback was like, like you said, it was like Andy said he's like twenty to one. Yeah, yeah it's like what are we doing here? Even, like, if there's yeah, any, just, let's take that. Yeah, even even gave everyone COVID, so we knew they weren't going to deal with COVID. All right, let me ask you a fun one about this year coming up because uh, I'm curious. So Georgia finally breaks through last year. Um, that was like uh, the best defense we've ever seen in college football or at least in the top five. I mean, Andy was on that corner, and I was like, all right, we'll see about that. Um, and ultimately, they, you know, their performance in the National yeah, Championship game was pretty that. amazing. Um, how would you line 2021 Georgia versus 2022? Um, well, let, let me ask you a follow-up. Are we saying they played week one or are we saying like the end of the 2022 team plays the end of the 2021 team? Cause I think Ooh. it could be vastly different once these 
five-star defenders that are all new starters kind of come into their own. Um, yeah. And, and it basically last year's championship team is waiting for them if they win the semifinal. I, I think today here's what I'm, I, I think Georgia's offense is going to be better. Um, and I think the D is going to be worse at least early on by a decent amount. So I think today I would say the D's maybe a touchdown different. I mean, like you said, it was one of the best oh. defenses of all time. Oh. I, I mean, how many draft picks do they have in the first round? Um, six? Like five? All six. of them. Um, <laughs> the whole damn team's playing on Sundays now. There was a couple of guys that were expected to go in the first round that slid, but yeah. Yeah, so today, six, so. I, I think I would make, with even though this year's offense is going to be better, their offense last year was still pretty good. I think today I'd make it somewhere just under a touchdown, maybe like five and a half, six. Um, and then into the season, I think it likely gets closer, probably closer to a field goal. But unless that Georgia offense this year is just electric, which I think it could be if you look at a lot of the players that they have and who they return, um, I think it's – I don't know if it will ever get better than a field goal. Wow, interesting. Oh, what do you guys think? I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is all like pontificating I, on. I have, yeah, I have zero. Th- I haven't been zero. This is my research for this season so far, bud. Like, yeah. this is where I'm at. No, I'm. I'm I didn't I'm know still, they. I didn't know they were that loaded coming back. Honestly, they, I they are. I, well, I thought I the did because I talked be to Dan. Like, yeah. I talked to producer yeah. Dan about him, and he he kind of said the same thing. He said, "There's a lot of really, really high end prospects, but you get to find out like, was it." Was it the players or was it the coaches? You know, a combination of the players and the coaches. Did the coaches get that? You know, that defense to do that last year. And if that's the case, they probably could do it again with these guys. This defense can be really, really good again. And but again, I'm I'm still on the I'm still on the podium there. Of that was the best defense I've ever seen. And the the LSU team from a few years back was the best offense I've ever seen. So you don't have yeah, like you don't even have to go back that far to like see the best of all time anymore it's pretty cool yeah um i have a fun question for you so uh is there are there a couple of uh early in the season games that you have circled where you're probably not going to have a bet because you're a little unsure or curious or not you know like there's questions that need to be answered about a couple of key teams but you're like okay we are going to learn a lot uh from that matchup like uh like georgia for instance playing uh you know who do they play early oregon yeah, um, Oregon week one. Yeah, like are there a couple of games like that where you're not going to have much action or you are going to have action and you're like, but you're, you got a circled like we're going to learn something important about these guys? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that one right away will get a sense that you mentioned what, um, you know, what we're going to see from both of George's D. Like, are they just going to, they're going to reload. The question is how quickly um, and what is Oregon actually going to look like with, a new uh new coach i think um early on uh you have miami going to texas a&m in week three um i think that's going to be a really good one to see just how good a&m could be um and where we're at on miami and this turnaround um i think week one purdue versus penn state you got two teams that kind of finished the year going in different directions there. Um, I think we'll learn a ton about both of those teams in that one. Um, I think Pitt, Tennessee, and week two is a big one. You know, Ooh, t- Tennessee's that was a great getting a lot game of last hype. year, right? Yeah, that it was, was a good game last year. Tennessee's <sighs> getting a lot of hype. That was kind of Pitt's, I mean, I think that was after they lost to Western Michigan, or maybe it was before. Um, so I think that'll be a good one to see is Western Michigan – you know, going to fall off. Um, I think right away, Ohio State Notre Dame um, is an interesting one. Um, and I'm not sure I'm going to have action. Oklahoma, Nebraska, week three is a great one to see, you know, where we're at on the new coaching staff for Oklahoma and what, you know, Nebraska is doing with a new offensive coordinator and what, you know, is the proverbial Scott Frost hot seat that just seems to continue so i think there's a lot of those types of games where we'll get a sense for what these teams are pretty quickly early on but i think the bigger goal is figuring out you know maybe a team that underperforms in one of those games on the scoreboard 
you know, is that representative of who they're going to be for the whole season or not? You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. September 3rd, Drew. September 3rd, FAU at Ohio. (laughs) Frank Solich Field is unveiled. That's, they didn't need the field after him. This is my favorite team now. I'm a Bobcats guy. Because actually, you know what I should no, but I should uh, I should like actually pay attention to the Gophers this year. Well, there's you know, fuck it. There's my question. Like I've seen some people floating that around. Is there a chance Minnesota wins the West up in my neck? Yeah. Now that we have, we have this huge TV deal, I'm not sure if you heard the Big Ten's kind of a big deal. Uh, they are a big deal. Six to one, and I I when I was going through the my previews of the Big Ten, I don't think I. I'm trying to remember correctly. I have a lot of them, but I don't think I have a single win total bet on anyone in the Big Ten. Um, if I do, it might be Purdue under, but I was trying to figure out who I liked to come out of the West, and I kept coming back to Minnesota, but the reason I'm like, I did never fired on it is they go to Michigan State, they go to Penn State, and they finish the year home against Iowa and then at Wisconsin. So while I like them on paper, I think the schedule's pretty challenging. Um, but I also don't love Wisconsin this year either. So I kind of found myself in like this going back and forth with what I thought on the West and kind of just put my hands up at the end. And I don't really know what's going to happen, but there's three or four teams there between Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska that I think all could win the West. Andy, Paul Bunyan's axe is coming yeah, home. Well, that's the thing. We have low <laughs> of, of the pig, the jug, and the axe, if we can get like one of those, that's just like, yeah, we got a tro- trophy this year. That's the beauty about being in like these rivalries from a million years ago. Like you don't need to win the national championship to get a trophy. We can get this bronze pig if we beat Iowa. Yeah, um, the Gophers fired the offensive coordinator too that was like oh. uh, flex okay. buddy. Who you know? Last year they ran the they were the only teams that ran the ball more than Minnesota last year, with Tanner Morgan, who's been the quarterback for like ten years, were the academies. <laughs> so now, like I think they're going to open it up a little bit. They have a quarterback that's been there for like five years. It's the same OC, Kirk Sierroka or whatever his name is. Um, he's back, and he was the last time that Minnesota had that really good offensive passing game. When I think it was like Flex second year or something like that. So there's a lot of reasons to like the Gophers this year. I think. God, maybe I'll have to go to a game. I like it. Campus is fun. I just haven't. I haven't. Last time I went to a game, it was a Wisconsin game, and literally, like my beer froze. Like, yeah, I, this is I on the Saturdays. Like, that's your family day, right? Yeah, I know. And the, well, that was a thing too. Like, this is. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not even. I'm not even sure if I had kids. Oh, so, somebody gave us mm-hmm. tickets. So like, fuck it, we'll go. And then you get there, and it's like a month later and it's like 17 below zero and literally my beer froze. I'm like, this isn't any fun at all. I'm going to go to like a September game. I got this. I got it all figured out this year. I like it. Um, We got to ask on behalf of uh, our, uh, our our resident Longhorns fan uh, producer, Dan, uh, are they going to cover versus Bama week two? You think? Uh, What is that? Look ahead. I think it's like 18. Sounds about right. Um, It's a bunch. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, I don't know. I it, it's it's challenging to if Saban if Saban doesn't want them to cover, they're not going to cover. And um, I have a feeling that could be a statement game for the Tide. Um, <laughs> and I don't. I like Texas. I, I just think next year's Texas is back here. I don't know if it's it's quite this year yet. Hmm. We'll delay it to perpetuity. It's our, it's already been delayed, I think, about eight years. So a couple yeah. more, and who, who cares? Um, are there any other teams that we haven't mentioned that you think our mm-hmm. like bot market is just kind of broadly way off that uh, you know without giving away all, all the goods? No, I'm happy to to get into any of it. Um, I've seen some people have NC State power rated top five team in the country, which to me is insanity. <laughs> um, I think they're a good team. I just you know, they, when you look at the talent that they have, they do have a lot of returning starters, but you're never going to turn a guy that was, you know, our whole team of basically high three stars into Alabama just isn't going to be the case. Um, I think people are a little high on them. I'm not saying they're not going to be a 10 two type team, but I think against the market, they probably will be, I would say middling against the spread. I think Texas A&M is 
getting a lot of hype for recruiting, you know, 18 year olds that still aren't on campus or just coming onto campus right now. Um, that probably won't have much of an effect on the team. And they still have Jimbo Fisher calling the offense. Um, I think USC, while probably going to be exciting, their defense is nowhere near ready. And I'm not a huge Alex Grinch fan as it is. Um, so I think those are a couple teams that I probably would say I'm down on versus the market. And I think underrated, um, I would say Penn State is one of them. I mean, they were, I think, undefeated going into that Iowa game when Sean Clifford, they were up. I think it was 20 to three or 17 to three when Iowa knocked out their starting quarterback came back and won the game. And then from there, the rest of the season, Penn state kind of fell off a cliff. Um, you know, once again, a team that recruits pretty much in the top 10 has a lot of talent. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you see them knock off one of the big 10 East teams this year. Um, one of the bigger ones, uh, Oregon kind of similar, you know, I think people have kind of forgotten about them, but they're a really, really solid team. Still have a lot of the guys, most of the guys that were recruited when they were bringing in top five, top eight classes. Um, you know, you can kind of go off the beaten path. The team that changed coaching staffs this year um, that recruits at the top of their conference is like a team like Troy that I think, you know, we just got used to them being at the bottom of the conference. But, you know, if they have good coaching, it could very easily, you know, swing back and be at the top of their conference. So, I think there's a lot of teams that, you know, if you look at the AP poll, you look at it and you're like, that just doesn't make a lot of sense. Andy's muted. But he yeah, no, I, I, I was switching tabs there. <laughs> Quick, uh, we, we should, we'd be remiss not to get a Utah take. That's been a hot, yeah, hot potato. A lot of heart. people like that over. Yeah, I, so I, I don't dislike this Utah team. Um, and obviously Cam Rising coming in to, you know, let's call it whatever that was, week halfway through week three slash week four last year, changed the tune of that team. And by the end of the year, I had them pretty much playing at the caliber of a playoff team. But I, I find it hard losing what I think is probably their best playmaker on the offensive side of the ball in Britton Covey. Um, uh, and then losing a couple NFL guys on the defensive side of the ball. It just isn't that easy, I don't think, for a team like Utah to, you know, plug and play and replace those types of guys. So if I had – I mean, the, the win total is nine. If I had to make a play on it, I'd probably – I don't – I think it's going to be a push at nine. I would lean under if I wanted to make a play on where I thought the value would lie. Um, I mean, they go to the Swamp in week one at Arizona state while people are down on Arizona state, it's not an easy place to play. And the guys that are still there probably want to be at Arizona state at this point, they go to UCLA. Um, they go to Oregon, you know, it, it's not, uh, I would say too unlikely to see them struggling. I think, I still think they're a top probably 12 team, but I don't think they're, you know, a top four team at the end of the year. Okay. They're no Fresno State, who are the real kings of the West, right? Yeah, that <laughs> they could be pretty uh sneaky this year. I mean, I don't know if they're if sneaky's to, if everyone is expecting it at this point, but um yeah, I mean, it's it's a big deal that they had uh I think some continuity in who they brought back as a coach and on the offensive side of the ball and the defense is good. Um I wouldn't be surprised to see them beat USC in week three. Ooh, that's a hot one. I like that. Yeah, um, I, bet, I bet that too, Drew. I just need him to win the conference game. So that's yeah, fine one, one of our One of our originating friends is very high on them for Mountain West, and he's sending us clips of the offensive lineman practicing. He's like, yes, he's back in practice. I'm like, oh, my God. All right, man. And the, yeah, <laughs> like, and yes, again, go, go, go. Bro, I'm, I'm not a West Coast guy. The beauty of betting on one of these, I love having a future on a West Coast team. I don't oh, yeah. sweat any of the games. I won't watch them. They start too damn late. I'm old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a fun right, well, Mountain West is a fun conference. Yeah. It's uh and you know, like you said, Nevada coming back to earth, that uh, opens things up a little bit, which is fun. Um yeah. God, I is that my favorite conference now, Drew? Like if oh, I'm gonna pay boy. attention to that in football, and my God. I think so. Like, do you remember the college basketball at the end of the year with like 
they had like four or five really oh, good. Oh yeah, that was really 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 high quality. Best. Like this oh is, yeah, maybe maybe it's yeah. Well, not only that, but the they're not losing multiple teams to my Big Ten, so maybe they are the true king of the West as far as conferences. No more conference of champions there, Walton. I love it, man. Um, well, we'll wrap it up here. Appreciate all of your time, uh, and uh, you know, I always love learning about you know, originating in sports that I'm not actively involved in. And, uh, you know, appreciate you being so candid about that. So that was very cool. And, uh, yeah, best of luck this college football season. Where can people find your stuff? Uh, I would say you can follow me on Twitter, uh, the tailgate 10. And then from there you can redirect. I have a Patreon site if you're interested in, obviously there's, um, you know, a pick service there. The picks come with, you know, full write-ups and breakdowns of, how I see things. And then beyond that, there's box score reviews, statistical, you know, analysis of what I look at um, every week, you know, deciding how I'm going to play a game, um, tons of stuff like that. So uh, if you're interested, feel free to uh, join or shoot me a message if you want more information. So uh, yeah, that would be where it is. Well, right on. Andy, yeah, if you're watching, if you're watching yeah. this on YouTube, it's right in the goddamn screen, guys. At the tailgate <laughs> on Twitter, it's uh, I don't follow that many college football guys either. So, but he comes he comes with the deep dive seal of approval. Is like one of the six college football people I follow. So, go follow him <laughs> on Twitter for sure and check out if you're looking. Yeah, if you're looking for more stuff, it sounds like he's doing plenty of work. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, best of luck this college football season. Thanks, guys. Right. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Love it, man. I'm ready for I'm ready for uh, week zero. Yeah, week zero always sneaks up on a guy. Let's fucking I'm go. trying to think. Of, so, like, if it's in Ireland and if it's at a normal time, it's 9:30 a.m. my time. Oh, oh so that's just are we like, allowed to talk now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, we we, 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 we,